Hi, I'm Katya Williams, The Rural Mum, and welcome to The Farm. Today, my guest is Sally Warner. Sally, thank you for coming today. Thank you for asking me, Katya. Can you please start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and your background? Right. Um, so I'm Sally Warriner and I um, am a next generation up twice from you. I'm now 72 and I have uh, just written or last year uh, wrote a book about my 25 years um, on the land, uh, which was from when I was, aha, ta-da! <laughs> I think just showed my book. Um, uh, so I had written for various magazines before while I was uh, short, sort of short stories for magazines while I was out bush, but I hadn't ever really attacked um, writing a writing a memoir, and I didn't know that I could. Um, but when I decided, there were a couple of triggers that made me decide I was going to write a book because I really wanted to outline um, the multiple tasks that women in the bush have to um, perform and with, that, with uh, at times for some women very little recognition. Um, times have changed enormously since I was out there. I mean it was 40 years ago when I first um, went bush. Oh, 72, 30, no. Um, 45 years ago when I first went out there. And so times really have changed. Um, I have uh, sons your age and grandchildren, and I do know that their um, fathering and family contribution is way, way, way different from how it was in my day. Uh, that's what I wrote a book about and I've actually done, um, I've sold pretty well and I'm getting lots of feedback from people who are enjoying it. But um, I know you girls are still out there multitasking like crazy and I'm well aware of uh, how many jobs there are that you are expected to do and possibly, and, and I'm sure, do very efficiently. So basically that's an outline about me. Before we continue. We'll give a shout out to today's supporting link. Tupperware. In July, the offer is all about sustainability. I pledge to waste less, use reusable towels instead of paper, and use reusable containers. The link for the Tupperware and affiliate link for the Rural Mum community is down in the show notes and the description below. For those who are looking for inspiration on taking meals down the paddock, I highly recommend their glass range. I will also add their name and description down in the description below. Now let's continue with today's interview. And Sally, you've mentioned that you have sons and grandchildren. So how many sons or what makes up your family unit? And um, when did they, uh, what years did they come into your life? Right, well, I got, um, I went out bush um, in 1976 when I um, was returning from an, I'd done a couple of uh, postgrad nursing degrees in London and I was returning from overseas and I had a sister who was married to a vet in Broome. So um, I decided to go and visit her. She'd had two children. I'd been travelling for four years and I was going to pop out there and pop up to Broome and, and say hello. I've lost the thread. What was the question? Um, how did I get out there? No, your um, your family. Oh, my family. Yes. 
Tell me about your boys and your and who makes up your family. So I, yeah, I met my um, husband in Broome when I was up visiting my uh, sister, and very um, sadly, his first wife had died of a cancer at age thirty and left him with a two and a three year old son. So when I married him six years after that, um, I inherited an eight and a nine year old son who were now fifty three and fifty or a bit older, I think, with five children who are grown, uh, the oldest being um, 28. So that's one side of the family. Um, then w my husband and I fostered um, a couple of Indigenous kids when we were um, on Newcastle waters. And uh, I, yeah, they were part of the family and they went away to school with my kids. Um, and then I gave birth to uh, three sons of my own, of our own. Um, so, and the oldest one is 40 and the youngest one is 30 something. And um, so there's, I mean, I basically brought up seven kids and I've now got, you know, reams of grandkids and I'm tired. Yes. I can imagine that would keep you very busy. I'm very glad I live in Byron Bay, which is two and a half hours from Brisbane, where I have several grandchildren, so I'm not doing two days a week. Would Nanny Sal do two days a week for the rest of your life? Oh, fortunately, I've gone back to work here, so I'm actually still nursing in Byron Bay, but I do go up and do granny duties in Brisbane often. Yes. Not as often if I was living there. Yes, Sally, you've been on three stations um, early in your um, your motherhood journey and with your life with who you refer to in your book as the GM. Can you tell me a little bit about each station and what it was like moving to each? So the first station I was on was Mount House, which is in the um, East Kimberley. And um, it was my first real experience, it was my first experience of the Kimberley and utter beauty of it. And I just, I totally and absolutely fell in love. It's still my sole country. I really think that Kimberley is some of the most beautiful country in the world and I've travelled widely. Um, so it was um, 1976, so it was, um, I spent a lot of time on horseback. I did a lot of mustering. Um, the GM was an air, uh, had a 150 held together with a rubber band and a prayer, and I did a lot of <clears throat> excuse me a lot of hours in that plane with him, <clears throat> diving in and out of river beds and and pulling back and just getting over the top of the mesas. Um, we were only there for six months when he was offered um, a managership on Brunette Downs in the on the Barclay. Totally different country, but extraordinary nonetheless. So we went from sort of a, a smallish, Ken had been on our house for six years, seven years. and um, But I, I was only actually there for six months after we were married. And then, uh, so we moved from the Kimberley to uh, Brunette Downs. And that was sort of a premier Barclay station that was um, owned by King Ranch when we moved there and then bought by AA Australian Agricultural. So it was a big corporate. And... Um, I hadn't had any children at that point, and there was already um, staff in place there. There was already a housekeeper. There were already a lot of gardeners. There was a, quite a big staff because it was 50,000 cattle and a stud and a quarter horse stud, so it was huge. So it was a learning curve. 
for me, basically. I didn't have I didn't have a real job as such and I didn't have any children at that point. Um, it but it was it was busy and again I spent quite a lot of time um, you know, on horseback or out there learning really, because I didn't know a lot about the pastoral industry and certainly not the big corporates. And then uh, we bought a, a cattle property um, when we left Brunette, or because we left Brunette Downs, we bought a cattle property in partnership with two other people on the West Barclay, which is Mitchell and, and Flinders Grass, pretty much flat throughout. Again, um, nothing like the Kimberley, but beautiful in its vastness and isolation quite differently moving from Burnett Downs, which which had one of the best, um, it had a burgeoning um, Santa Gertrudis herd, beautiful cattle, really top quality quarter horses, um, and beautiful homestead and a lot, 50 staff, we were 50 staff working on, on that property because it was a corporate and, and it was large. We went to Newcastle Waters where there was a three bedroom fibro house, um, I was nine months or eight months pregnant when we drove across that grid. Um, not a blade of grass around the homestead because there were goats. There was a, a creek down the front with mud in it and a bad water supply. Hardly any fencing. Hardly TB and brucellosis were rife. We started um, from scratch, basically, with an enormous debt because we bought it with two other people who had not much money and we bought it in 1981 and then interest rates went to 17 percent in 1983 and we were um, struggling really um, badly struggling but fortunately one of our partners first cousin Edwina um, Bailey was Kerry Packer's first cousin and so he came up and visited and liked the bush and liked bush people and offered to buy it. And we developed the third biggest pastoral company in Australia on his golden checkbook, which was very nice. It would have been. And that would have, I can just imagine the uplifting feeling that would have been, particularly on the back of those interest rates, having someone who you developed quite a close relationship over the years with as well. So not only a great friendship to come out of that, but also the weight of um, the debt off your shoulders. It's um, definitely a unique feeling when you first come into either a family farming operation or into um, the agricultural world to hear some of the financial figures that are thrown around. And um, if it's not something that you're used to, then it can feel quite heavy and um, dictate the way that you behave and, and act going forward. Excellent. So with each station that you moved to, they were very different in circumstance. Was there any top tips that you would give to anybody else moving to a station or moving to a farm that you found helped with the transition between all those stations? Um, yes, they were they were very different. I would have to say in my case, because I was born in Toowoomba, I, I mean, it was a small country town at the time, and I did go to po uh, Pony Club. So I actually could ride and I came from country, I guess. But nothing prepares you for, for moving out to the broad acres. Um, however, I would also say, and I'm assuming it's the same for you and your young cohort, is that 
I can't remember feeling totally overwhelmed with it all. It's just a matter of coping um, because you have to, because there's nobody else to, it's a matter of you do it because there's no one else to do it. Um, and and I don't remember feeling overwhelmed. I had done some fairly hairy nursing when I was in London, um, some uh, working in, in the East End, doing an accident and emergency course. And I thought that had, I thought that made me brave, um, but I needed to be a whole lot braver in the future. And it, I think it just comes naturally just to, I, I, I probably shouldn't say country people, but I think it does. I think, I think because you're not surrounded by health, well, you certainly weren't in those days, and you're probably not a whole lot more now. Um, surround, surrounded by any sort of help. What I would say is that um, during the years that I was doing such a lot and I had such a lot on my plate and, uh, and I wasn't feeling overwhelmed because I, I was nursing and, 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 and doing whatever else I had to do. It's all written in the book. But um, there, were, there was no question of any marriage guidance counselling or psychology or any help at all. It just didn't exist out there. So that also led to you thinking, I mean, I didn't think about it. For example, now, you, you know, there's all sorts of help online. There's fabulous suicide lines for, you know, um, for help for people who are really an extremist, for the grog, for all sorts of addiction, all sorts of those problems that you can have everywhere, not just in the country, but at least country people can get on a, a, a call line uh, now, yes. which I can't remember ever thinking about it or thinking that I needed it, um, which I obviously did because my marriage broke down at, uh, after 25 years um, when I was 53 or three or something. I wonder now whether perhaps I had, um, if I had had any sort of um, assistance, if I'd been a better communicator, if he had been a bit better communicator, if I had been able to say, I need, I need you to say thank you more often. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous, but that type of thing. And I guess I have focused on that in the book quite a bit because um, I left. And, um, and, but I'll also say that of those 25 years, almost all of it, was just fantastic and exciting and energizing and a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful And I felt very grateful for that, and I still do. And all of my children have turned into decent human beings. Cool. Sally, was there a mantra that you you lived by or that you reflected on uh, when you were out there each day or, or something, a piece of advice someone gave you that came up every now and again that would make you smile? Um, when, I, when I first moved from the beautiful homestead at Brunette Downs to this three-bedroom fibro on stilts because of the flood, the river would come, would come up, very, very stark, fairly sparsely furnished. Um, uh, uh, the contrast was quite amazing, but the um, lady who had been living in the house, and her name was Mrs. Payne, P-A-Y-N-E, I still remember, and she, the only greenery on the whole place was some ratty bougainvillea and some oleander, you know, you can't kill either of those things. No. So she had 
uh, there was a plastic tablecloth on the laminate table in the kitchen and she had put a bowl of oleander um, which was flowering brightly pink at the time and I walked into that room and I thought that bunch of flowers uh, was just wonderful to me and so I've always thought you might not have very much but a little bowl of flowers or just some little thing can just completely turn your day around and so I was always looking for a little flower every day there, there was there was and there was always something if it wasn't the sky if it wasn't a car if it wasn't something one of the kids did life was just joyful for, for most of the time with a few exceptions <laughs> <laughs> And Sally, you mentioned that you've worn many hats and particularly when you did take on the new role at Newcastle Waters and you reflect in your book, I think it's page eight, on all the roles that you were doing that you later turned into the guideline for your book as well as for your CV. So can you outline some of the roles that you were doing and um, yeah, tell us a bit more about that. Okay, so I mean, we're all wives. We're all, most of us are lucky enough to be mothers. I was also um, a, a registered nurse, which was very, very useful for me. And I continued to work, run the black box on all the stations that I was at and ended up stitching all three of my kids' eyebrows. You know when they run into the corner table and they get a little cut there? Very good. Hardly any scars. Held down on the kitchen bench by the gardener. Um, much quicker than driving four hours to Tennant Creek Hospital. Um, so I was a, a wife and a mother and a nurse. I was um, a housekeeper, obviously. I was <laughs> I was a cleaner, a housekeeper, a cook. We're all that. Um, I was an entertainer. And I would say, I'm not exaggerating when I say three nights a week for 25 years, I had guests at the dinner table. At Brunette, they were all corporate visitors. Um, and then it... it remained to be so when Packer bought Newcastle Waters because it was the development years. We, we basically started from nothing. So we had lots of contractors and lots of vets and stockies and when TB and Brousseau program took off and then we'd have Packer and his friends and we'd have Jackaroo's parents and we ha I had people at the table for 25 years and I was the homestead cook. Um, so you're also a, a nanny as well as you know, a mother and a nanny, although I was very, very lucky. I would not have been able to do it if I hadn't had nannies for the most of the time that I was there because I had a big other job and um, I would have had to have give, given up something. I certainly didn't want to give up the nursing. So I was very lucky. And again, corporates, you know, they can afford to actually put, and they were mainly daughters of friends of mine. So there was, um, let me just think, I was an accountant, you know, you have to do the books, you're a, a bookkeeper, you're, um, you're a, a, well, you're a wife and you're a lover and you're a, um, you're a mentor to, to jackaroos and other people and there'll always be other mothers who've, who are perhaps pregnant or waiting to have children, so you'll end up mentoring as well. You're definitely a psychologist for everybody. Each one of those people you've got to be a psychologist for, to the detriment of trying to analyse your own head, I think, at times. Um, goodness, I was not a pilot. I was a horsewoman. I was a camp drafter. I was um, I, I, 
you know, we're all jacks of all trades and 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 we can do it. Yeah. And do because yeah. no one else. <laughs> if we don't do it, no one else does. <laughs> Excellent. Well, then that is quite a large role that we all carry on our shoulders. Sally, was there anything that you did in particular, either on a daily basis or once a week that was for you that helped you get through it all or look at the smaller things? So you said you mentioned that, you know, whether it was the kids bringing something in or, or hearing a story or seeing the flowers, they all helped. Was there something that you did for you? Um, I liked, you know, in the in the in that beautiful light in the evening. We had a creek out the front, and my kids all went to the local Aboriginal school, which was mainly Aboriginal people. It's government-run school, but there were, there weren't many many um, white fellas there, and so the kids had all trooped down after school, and I'd have chocolate cake and and um, and they'd play, and often we'd go down to the creek. Goodness, often, often, if except I did have a nanny that I could leave to watch the roast um, rather than I'd take a heap of kids because I'd be cooking for dinner that night um, and we'd go down to the creek at sunset and the kids would have, you know, tyres and what have you to play in Newcastle Creek, which did dry up, but for most of the time it was up. And that was really my time. I didn't really have to do much mothering then because they were all, you know, they were wild. There was 20 of them. And that all be, and they were safe in, well, I've assumed that I said, uh, uh, nothing dreadful happened. <laughs> I, I was sort of watching, but just deep breathing in the sunset at the creek. And we had millions of galahs and yeah. cockatoos and they would make that and that huge squawking and pelicans with their um, reflecting on the water so that sort of beauty I realized how really unusual it was and how lucky we bush people are that you can do that um, and so I guess that was my special time I mean what else you certainly can't get your hair done or your nails done <laughs> Or, you know, no, I didn't really. I did at one stage when the children were all at school, I did at one stage decide I wanted to be a psychologist instead of a nurse or as well as a nurse. So I enrolled in on a university and it was before online. It must have been a, um, anyway, it wasn't online. And I enrolled in a, in a psychology course and I would take two hours in the afternoon to go up twice a week to go up to my room and study and I'd have the table all set out and everything and I'd be thinking rather than thinking about the layers of the brain I'd be thinking about what I was cooking for dinner that night or you know something related to the children oh I've forgotten to turn that hose off or um oh goodness um that meeting that, that the ICPA meeting's coming up and I haven't done uh, my paperwork but so I, I it was useless gave it away decided I didn't need it. So then I waited another 40 years and became an author. And I didn't have to study for that. <laughs> no. Reflection, nice reflection. <laughs> yeah. While writing your book and reflecting on those 25 years, was there moments where you thought, Maybe I could have reached out for help or maybe I could have spoken to a certain person. Oh, 
Oh, I didn't think that until it was too late. Yeah. Unfortunately. I just didn't. I just kept um, forging on. And um, and the GM was a, you know, it was a big business. He was a very busy man. And we just weren't, um, appeared. I thought that we were not as important as the job or Pepper or the, the job or the job, basically. Um, and it was in the days before Daddy Daycare. I mean, the kids never went, uh, they, they never went out with him that often. When they got home from boarding school, they'd go out to Stockham. But that wasn't with Dad. That was yeah. with Stockham. Um, you know, they'd go and work in the yards with him occasionally, but he, he, his head was uh, around the business. And he was hugely successful uh, for yeah. doing that. Um, but it took 15 to 18 years for me to work out that that wasn't right and um, things had to change. And... You don't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> I wasn't ever going to change. Yeah. But he's a wonderful father now and um, the, a great mentor to all the boys and has really, um, uh, he's retired from uh, Newcastle Waters, still going, uh, you know, business-wise flat out, but um, he's making up for lost time now that they're a bit older. Like one of them's 55. So, Sally... Above everything else that you, you've already mentioned, you are a nurse, a countrywoman, a mother and an author and you've had an incredible life and learnt a lot along the way. Is there any inspiration or anything that you would tell anybody who is either marrying a farmer or moving to the land to inspire them that they can do it, um, that it is a great lifestyle um, but how to equip them, I guess, with um, some additional education and information on moving to the farm. Is there anything that you would inspire them with? Well, now, uh, you know, as a contrast, when I was out there, what, what we're doing right now, you know, yeah. all, the, all the podcasts, all the um, various organisations, all the magazines that are um, now being published, uh, you know, around living in the bush, I think you've got a lot more information. Your generation has got, and, and the one above you also, has got a lot more information available. So I guess my advice would be just use the information as much as you can and communication. That's what got me in the end, a lack of communication. And even though, you know, I'm a talker, um, but uh, in my days there are a lot of, Bushmen who just shut down. You know they don't do well with a whole lot of talking, and um, and they don't they don't communicate well themselves. And I think it is probably still the same. There are probably a lot of men, and not just bushmen, but it seems to be more common. Um, but women are now, and you know I've got two, I've got four, five, I've got five wonderful daughters-in-law, um, most of whom have got a, a bush background. Um, they, they're brave and they're strong and they are can-do people and it's a confidence thing. You've got to actually build your confidence in yourself that you that you can do it, even though it might look hard. I, I have amazing faith in women. Um, my whole life has been filled with really, truly, amazing women 
who may not be, you know, set, setting the world on fire, but they, in their own heads, they are doing um, wonderful things. And a confident and brave can-do woman is um, just common now. You know, you, you, you young women are absolutely taking it on. I mean, I spoke recently at a, um, a Northern Territory Cattlemen's Association lunch in Darwin. Um, I was invited to speak there, and um, and I've done lots of public speaking, but I walked into this room in Darwin, and it was the territory wide, and there were quite a few people from interstate as well. I walked into this room that was that was 200 women in it, the majority of whom were less than 50, most of them less than 40 even, and they were all dressed for the nines and drinking champagne, and they were all of them, because I spoke to as many as I possibly could, in some sort of management position. They were either head stockmen or they were managers or they were truck drivers or they were vets or they were doctors or they were they were doing something, horse breakers, killer um, um, who were who were you know working for the corporates, and it just wasn't the case in my day. It, it just there weren't that many women working outside the wire. And now, fifty uh, percent of the corporate stock camps are now women. Women are preferred um, preferred employees in stock in uh, horse stud because you know women treat horses um, better. I have to say, not you know it's generalisation, but women work well with horses. Women are quieter with cattle. Um, women are better communicated. There's a whole lot of and, and, and women have just got to realize um how really great they are we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned there was a heap of um you know literature like and podcasts do you have favorites that you listen to sally or that you would recommend well i've looked i've obviously listened to you and i've listened to motherland and i was interviewed the um uh what of um Secrets from the Green Room. No, that's not a rural one. Um, goodness, I've been. Uh, I, I, I joined Instagram, yeah, and, and I went public on Facebook as promo for my book. So now I'm getting sort of a lot of feedback um, from people who've read the book or who want to do interviews such as this, and a lot of them are sort of rural pods. And, uh, and every time I listen to one, because I walk here at Byron as well, and, and I do like listening to those rural pods when I'm um, actually out walking, and I just think what a wonderful resource it is now that was not available before. And people like yourself who are actually starting up your own resource and um, sharing your knowledge and your coping abilities with perhaps newbies. So good for you. A wonderful community to be a part of. Absolutely is. Absolutely is. And the important thing is to realise you can do it. Yeah. There's nothing you can't do. I love that you said the confidence to do it because yeah. it's definitely part of it. We all, we have the ability to do it. Let's get the confidence to do it. Breathe deeply and say, I can do this. I've done much harder. Look, you've had children. There's nothing harder than that. Excellent. Well, Sally, that comes to the end of all my official questions. Did you have anything else that you wish to share with the listeners of the Rural Mum community? 
No, just thank you for inviting me to speak. And uh, I have enormous admiration for you young women coming up now. And um, and it was uh, cathartic for me to write about my experiences from those years ago. And obviously, um, people have enjoyed it because I keep getting uh, lots of feedback. It's a comparison thing, you know. I mean, the life that I was leading then really doesn't exist any uh, at all. So it's it's a bit historical. It certainly ages me. But um, I just walking into that room with all of those women in Darwin, I just thought, go girls, you're absolutely taking the industry by the throat. Absolutely. Fantastic. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Sally, for coming on the podcast. If we have mentioned anything during the interview, it will be linked down below. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on the farm. Thank you.